New Americans, a journey into a healthy mind. Welcome to episode 3. Have you listened to our episodes 1 and 2? No? On episode 1, we laid the ground about the topic of mental health and immigrants by speaking with professionals in this field who have experience working with people of color, and particularly with immigrants. On episode 2, members of the immigrant community in Wichita, Kansas, share their struggles with mental health. On this episode, we will speak with Dr. Alisa Bay, a PhD graduate from Wichita State University who chose to study psychology as a response to the struggles that she saw on people around her, including herself with mental health. Dr. Bay performed a study in Wichita between 2019 and 2020 assessing depression among the local immigrant community. This research focused on the demographic and immigration factors associated with depression symptoms among immigrants living in the Wichita area, on how living in Wichita impacts the mental health of immigrants, and what can be done to help improve mental health of immigrants living in Wichita. Depression is a serious mental health condition that can be presented by changes in sleep, lack of concentration, loss of energy, hopelessness, or guilty, and suicidal thoughts. This definition according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Depression has been linked to a variety of negative life outcomes such as reduced memory recall, lower income, and a higher likelihood of obesity. Let's listen to sonification about depression rates in Kansas from 2011 to 2019, which rank from 15.9% in 2011 to 19.9% in 2019. We are not even taking into consideration everything we all went through with COVID-19 in 2020. What is data sonification? It's the action of turning data into sound. As we pay attention to the notes of music, they are intended to picture in our heads what we usually see on graphics. It opens possibilities as an alternative or complement to visualization techniques. The idea is to convert in open data to audio in order to better engage the blind and visually impaired. Okay, let's get ready to listen some data in the following sonification. You will hear the piano sound representing the percentage of depression cases reported from 15.9% in 2011 to 19.9% in 2019 in Kansas. Wichita has the largest immigrant population in Kansas. According to Scribner and Dwyer, immigrants tend to have better mental health than the U.S.-born population, but this health advantage diminishes over time. Dr. Alisa Bay finished her Ph.D. in community psychology from Wichita State University. She shares with us how she got interested in the psychology field. Initially, I wanted to be a therapist and, you know, do counseling for people. Um, but then I learned, as I got into college, I learned more about there being really systemic issues that impact mental health, like, um, you know, school, housing, financial needs, things like that. Um, so I looked at more into how I could tackle that and found community psychology. So 
uh, decided I didn't want to be a therapist anymore <laughs> and decided I wanted to move on to more of working with how we can make environments better for people's mental health. Dr. Bay believes that there are many differences on mental health care among Americans. I think that there's a difference in most things uh, between white people and people of color in general, just because there are different things that go on culturally and and things like that. Um, so with mental health care, I know that there's a lot of stigma in communities of color. There's a lot of um, more so looking at um, mental health is something that um, we can mostly like pray about and um, turn towards like our spirituality for and things like that. There's definitely a difference. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff related to, you know, are you going to be able to find someone in healthcare and mental health care that looks like you, that has the same cultural background as you, that you're not going to have to, you know, explain, <laughs> you know, different, different important cultural factors or someone who's not going to miss important cultural factors that might in a huge way impact your health or mental health. So there's definitely a difference. With the growing immigrant population, more and more young Americans are connecting with the struggles that immigrant families face. Many American kids get exposed to those stories as they attend school with kids of immigrants or are neighbors with them. Dr. Bay talks to us about her motivation to work on this study. My area of interest is in um, mental health with minority groups. So any minority group, whether that be, uh, you know, racial minorities, religious minorities, um, gender and sexuality minorities, any minority groups. Um, that's kind of where my interest lies because I think that mental health is just something that we, we, you can't really generalize and say that this applies to everyone. I think that we need to look more specifically into populations. I've worked previously with uh, mental health related to the African-American community, um, mental health with kids, different groups like that. But um, I'd never worked with or done research on or anything um, related to immigrant groups. There are people in my life who I care about who are immigrants and kind of seeing their stories and seeing um, how their mental health was impacted was really, I, I think, eye opening to me because I don't you know, my family isn't, you know, I don't have like parents who are immigrants or anything like that. But I think just seeing a different perspective from other loved ones in my life was really eye-opening. So it was something that I wanted to look further into. Dr. Bay's idea of studying this segment of the population was well-received and supported by the Wichita State University faculty, students, and community members who spoke different languages and were happy to collaborate with her. Dr. Rhonda Lewis at Wichita State was my advisor at the time of doing this research. And she, I think she knew <laughs> that I had been wanting to work with immigrant groups because every project I had done for class was like related to uh, immigrant groups or something like that. So I think she kind of expected it and saw it coming on. So she was super supportive. Um, and the faculty at school was supportive, um, but I didn't have anyone who, 
you know, was, you know, had a hand in research specifically with the immigrant population. Um, so that's kind of where my advisor was able to direct me um, to help reach out to community partners who had that experience. That was really great to see because I was like, uh, you know, me who is not from an immigrant background, I barely speak Spanish or any other language. Um, you know, how am I going to do this logistically? So I was lucky enough to have, um, you know, friends and community members um, who spoke different languages, Arabic, um, Spanish, um, Vietnamese, who were definitely helpful. And this would have been impossible <laughs> without, uh, without those community members and friends who just, you know, were able to help out. So. She shares with us more about the research she did about mental health on immigrants in 2019 in Wichita, the process, methodology, and some of the findings. We did some mixed methods research, so that just means that we did surveys and we also did focus groups. Um, so the surveys were for um, any immigrants living in Wichita. So this was specific to Wichita. This was Wichita-based um, research. So anyone who was part of the immigrant community living in Wichita um, was able to participate in the surveys. The surveys were in Swahili, Spanish, and English. And we even had a few cases where um, people who were maybe in English classes were able to kind of work with someone who um, translated it to um, Arabic. They could ju just kind of talk it out. So that was the surveys. It was open to anyone who's a part of the immigrant community living in Wichita. For the focus groups, we specifically um, focused on Latina women. It ended up being a majority of the people who were in the focus groups were Mexican because that's just a larger group in Wichita. Um, but yeah, we focused on Latina women and that was just something that came about because the two of the bigger immigrant groups in Wichita are people from Vietnam and people from Mexico. So we wanted to concentrate on one of the larger groups. And then um, generally women are just kind of more, you tend to get more women in research and also um, thought that women would kind of be more open um, about talking about mental health, whereas men might be more uh, closed off and not kind of wanting to talk about it. So we had 140 people take the survey. The average depression score of everyone was, um, it was 14.39. So this was on a scale of zero to 60. So a 14 is, is fairly low, but 39% um, of people who took the survey met criteria for either moderate or severe depression symptoms. So that is, uh, that's a pretty stark number because when you look at uh, Sedgwick County in general, about 18% of adults have been diagnosed with depression in their lifetime. 
So when you're looking at a number like 39% of people meeting criteria for moderate to severe depression symptoms, um, yeah, that, that's a pretty stark number. Some other findings were that um, immigrants in this study who arrived in the U.S. at an earlier age tended to have higher depression scores. Immigrants who were unmarried were more likely than expected to be in the moderate depression symptom category. So we, there were three different categories. There was no depression or mild depression, moderate in the middle, and then severe. So folks who were unmarried tended to land in the moderate um, category of depression. So one thing that we looked at was immigration status. Um, so were people uh, U.S. residents, were people, um, you know, on DACA, were people like what was their immigration status? Um, and one of the catch all kind of categories that we had was just other lawful immigration statuses and people who said that they were another immigration status, uh, such, such as DACA recipients or conditional permanent residents were more likely to be in the lowest depression symptom category. So in other words, they were more likely to have uh, to fall into that category of none or mild depression. Additionally to that, uh, something that's really interesting is that that same group, so people who marked that they were other immigration statuses, so like DACA recipients, conditional permanent residents, were also more likely to be in the highest depression category. So they either fell in the lowest depression category or the highest depression category, which was really interesting to see that. So they didn't tend to be in the middle. They either fell very high in depression or very low in depression. So that was a really interesting finding because those two kind of uh, contradicted each other, but there must be some some more information that we're missing there that um, you know separates out those two groups and why the results were that way. So those were for the survey results. I think though that there's some really interesting findings with the uh, focus group results. So for focus groups, we just held listening sessions. We had about 10 women participate some of the themes that came out of that were just general negative mental health outcomes. The women talked about experiences of prejudice um, affecting their mental health. They talked about there being language barriers in mental health services. They talked about there being improved quality of life um, after immigration. So that was particularly maybe, you know, they moved to Wichita and Wichita was, you know, a safer place where they could, you know, have their kids play outside or something like that. Um, they also talked about there being what I ended up naming in the research undocumented status taboo. So not really uh, being sure if, you know, it's safe to talk about being undocumented or, you know, feeling like they have to keep it a secret and, um, you know, not wanting it to affect their family, such as their parents being taken away or, you know, them being sent to a country that they barely know if they came to the U.S. Uh, when they were young. So 
that came up definitely as a topic that impacted their mental health. Also, we asked the question, what are some changes that they wanted to see improve um, as far as what needed to be changed in Wichita regarding mental health to help um, improve the mental health of immigrants? And they talked about change being led by immigrants. So sometimes when it's not led by immigrants, it's, you know, something that, you know, is not something that wasn't asked for, something that they don't need, and just kind of being something that's, you know, people are trying to help, but not really, I guess, essentially taking their voices away and and saying, you know, I know what's best, but that not really being best. There was discussion around people who are not immigrants, knowing what are the prominent issues in immigrant communities. So there was discussion around There are a few folks who I talked to who were younger and talked about, you know, not being eligible for scholarships when they were in high school or something like that because of their um, undocumented status or their immigration status and their teachers, you know, trying to help out and give different scholarship, uh, different scholarships they could apply to, but not knowing that, you know, you needed to be a U.S. citizen to be able to apply for the scholarship. So just knowing prominent issues that come up or that, you know, someone might be dealing with something at home, like deportation of parents or, you know, being prepared for when parents come in or when people come in, when clients come in and they don't speak English or something like that to have someone to help translate. Language access. So Wichita providing more access to different languages. So in Wichita, there's a lot of need for Spanish and Vietnamese because those are just the larger groups in Wichita. But there was discussion of, you know, having access to various languages because we know that those aren't the only languages that need access in Wichita. There was discussion of social equality being a way to improve mental health of immigrants in Wichita. So just having the feeling that everything is a little bit more equitable because they talked about experiences where, you know, you can, you can tell when you're in an experience and you're not, uh, or when you're in a room or when you're in a situation and you're not necessarily welcomed or, you know, you're not necessarily seeming, receiving the same treatment as someone else is. So just making things a little bit more equitable for people. And then another theme was having access to driver's license um, in Kansas, specifically for undocumented folks. Um, That's been a conversation in Kansas for a few years now. Um, They talked about how, you know, that affects your mental health because if you can't drive somewhere, you know, how do you even do things like go to the store and get groceries? How do you, you know, take your kids to soccer practice and things like, say you want to, you know, go to the museum for a night out with your kids that just turns into pizza and a movie at home because you become scared to drive and, um, you know, you might get pulled over and then what happens when you don't have a driver's license. So, it can become very anxiety inducing and something that makes you worry about, you know, putting yourself in danger and putting your family in danger. Whereas if there was just that access to driver's license and that policy change that could reduce a lot of anxiety and really, really 
positively impact mental health. The process of this research was not easy and sometimes frustrating when Dr. Bay listened to some of the stories she encountered. I feel like I felt kind of frustrated at like the challenges that I was hearing about because I'm like thinking, I'm just like sitting here thinking, like listening to the stories and thinking, this is a right, like there are policies that say, you know, places that are funded, um, or at least I know for healthcare places that are funded in Kansas, they have to provide language access. So, so to hear different stories of people being in, you know, vulnerable situations, like at the, you know, at a city building or at the doctors and to not have access to the language that they prefer or the link or the only language that they can speak, you know, um, that was really frustrating to know that that was happening in Wichita. Um, so, and, you know, I'm just hearing this, I'm not ex- even experiencing it. So I can't imagine what it was like for the women who were telling me these stories. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, that, that was very, very frustrating to, to hear that some of those things are, are going on. And, you know, this, would, this research was um, a little over a year ago, and I'm sure that some of these issues are still going on. I'm sure a lot of these issues are still going on and aren't fixed. So I think it's just, um, was kind of frustrating to know that some of those issues even existed. <laughs> Um, One of the parts of the research was the theory I used was called the ecological model. So it, there's like five different levels that you look at whatever issue you're looking at from. And so you look at it from an institutional level, a community level, interpersonal level. And then one of those levels is a personal level. So I ended up looking at, you know, what are some personal things that individuals can do and things like that. And um, that was, you know, part of the research. And when I was asking the questions to the women about, you know, what can, what can people do on a personal level? And they would say things like, you know, just be kind or like, don't, you know, say bad things if we're only speaking in Spanish in the middle of a store um, and things like that. So I feel like it, it really, for me, let me know that there's so many things that just individuals can do. Like as much as I love to attack problems from an institutional level, there's so many things that individuals can do. So as broken as my Spanish is, there there have been a few times where if, you know, I interact with someone and they, maybe they don't only speak Spanish or maybe they don't only speak Spanish, but they, um, you know, are, that's their preferred language or something like that. I'll just try, I'll try. (laughs) And and usually the feedback I get is really positive because I'm, I'm very like shy about it, but I think just things like that, like go, you know, making an effort or just showing people, you know, like it's, it's okay if, you know, uh, a, you mispronounce a word or it's okay if like, w- like whatever we can do together to help 
each other is, is really, um, you know, I think more, more important than people can think sometimes. Like I'm so used to working at like, what, how can we change systems and environments that I think that at a personal level, just learning things about what I can do as an individual is, is helpful too. Oh, and then, um, I really, I think a thing that like was really emphasized for me was the immigrant led change part. So just kind of listening, I think this goes for any marginalized group, but specifically with immigrants and from what they were saying about um, what we can do in Wichita is, you know, supporting what immigrants are already, you know, the initiatives that they're already taking because there's not a lot that, that we could think of that someone who's actually in the community hasn't already thought of. So, you know, seeing what's already there and supporting what's already there and seeing how people are already making change who are in the community and supporting their voices and making sure that, you know, we're not like overshadowing anyone and that the allyship is in a way that's actually helpful, not just you know, performative or not just, um, oh, I thought I was helping, but I ended up actually not helping or even worse, harming someone. Dr. Bay found other similar reports, even in a bigger scale, but not in the Midwest, mostly in bigger cities, which have more immigrants. There's also a lot of international research that I found when I was looking to find more research for my literature review. Um, And there are these really, so we ended up having a conference um, related to the research that we did. They're also, they're researchers, but they're also in the field, um, you know, working with people on a daily basis um, who have, you know, maybe come back across the border um, to Mexico. Um, But just, yeah, there's a lot of international research that, is happening. There's a lot of research on the coast that's happening in places that have larger immigrant populations. There's less research in like the the Midwest area. I can't emphasize this enough. I think the biggest thing I learned is just to really, if you want to be an ally to any group, but what I've learned about um, allyship with Um, the immigrant community is like, listen, and um, don't always assume that you know things like, you know, I'm, I was coming in as someone who, you know, was about to get their doctorate, but there's so much that I could never, I could never have learned if I didn't like listen to their stories, you know, like, just because you are educated, just because, you know, even if you have friends or family, there's still so much to learn. So if you really want to be an ally, really listen and support what people are saying, you know, hey, we need help with this, whether that be money, whether that be, um, you know, we need you to come to this protest, whether that be we need you to write to policymakers, whatever it is, uh, you know, listen to what people in the immigrant community are actually wanting. Don't just go off on your own and do, you know, whatever you think is helpful, because it might not be helpful. And at worst, it might be harmful. 
This study by Dr. Alisa Bay reflects the need of local communities to assess mental health in all people, including people of color, LGBTQ, immigrants, and other minorities, to provide better services for everyone and belong to healthier communities. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow our podcast. Visit our website, www.planetavenus.online, and share our content.